Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. And so we're grateful to get in the Word of God, and so I want to invite you to the book of Romans today. And uh, we'll begin a brand new series on the book of Romans. We have just finished the book of John a, a few months ago. And, and now as we uh, finalize that, I, I just wanted to, the Lord just laid on my heart to go from a study of our Savior to the study of our salvation. And how needful it is that we understand not only who saved us, but what that means for us today. And that's what the book of Romans uh, does for us. On May 24th, 1738, there was a discouraged missionary who went very unwillingly, if you will, into a meeting in London. It was a religious meeting that night, and it was there that uh, a miracle took place. Isn't it always amazing how God works? Sometimes we, we don't want to be in a place, but that's when God works the most in our life. And he, later, he would write in his journal, he said, About a quarter before nine, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Man, what a tremendous testimony. This missionary was none other than John Wesley. And the message that he heard that evening was basically uh, the preface to Martin Luther's commentary on Romans. Someone had got up and they had just simply read it. And, and as they began to read about uh, the book of Romans and began to preach on Romans, his heart was convicted. And he knew that, that as a young man, he said, listen, I need to be saved. Later, he had written in his journal previously, I should say, before this meeting, he said, I went to America to convert the Indian but oh, who shall convert me? He was lost before this point. He, was, he felt like he was without any hope and he didn't know what was right and what was wrong. And yet in this moment, as he heard the gospel being preached and he heard about all the wonderful things that God had done for him through the book of Romans, the Lord saved his soul. He put his faith in Jesus Christ. You see, that evening at Aldersgate Street, his question was answered. He knew who could save him and his name is Jesus Christ. The result, we could go back in history and see the result of what happened after John Wesley was saved. There was a Wesleyan revival that swept England. There was uh, the other events that had happened, lives that had changed because he was willing to, one, listen and be available to the Lord. And may that be our heartbeat today. As we just begin this uh, study of the epistle of Romans, may our heartbeat, Lord, I, I just want whatever you have for me, God, I'm ready to listen uh, to all that your spirit leads in my life. Well, Paul's epistles to the Romans is probably one of the most transformative epistles and letters that we find in the New Testament. 
And we come to the, the book of Romans. It's just 16 chapters, but in this, it was the, one of the longest epistles that Paul wrote. And, but it was, it was transformational for John Wesley and many other people today. Matter of fact, as we hand out scriptures, oftentimes we hand out portions of, of scripture that include the book of John and the book of Romans. Because we know that once people get a glimpse of Jesus and they understand what Jesus has done for them and the ramifications, then life can be changed. It can be transformed. And so we see here that God wants us to, to uh, our hearts to be stirred and understand that there is a great significance in the gospel today. In Romans chapter 1 and verse number 17, the Bible says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. If you go back to the Protestant Reformation or maybe the Wesleyan Revival, they were both a fruit of this letter that was written by the Apostle Paul around the year A.D. 57. But just as a side note, I will mention that as Baptists, we didn't come out of the Protestant Reformation. Amen. Uh, we realize that our roots run deeper than that uh, back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm thankful for that. But Paul, he, he wrote this before he'd ever been to Rome. Now, we are familiar with the book of Acts, and in the, in the book of Acts, he wrote and he desired to go to Rome to be with him also. But Paul had never been there. And so it is in this opening verses of the letter that Paul begins to kind of introduce himself to the believers in Rome. And we're going to see some of the, just the very first uh, verses in this introduction to this tremendous letter in the Bible. And I would encourage you as we go through this over the next few weeks and months that you spend time reading Romans for yourself and understanding and gleaning what God has for us here in this tremendous book of the Bible. But it's at the end of the, the, the book that we come to chapter 16 and we understand that this letter was carried uh, uh, from Paul who was in Corinth uh, by Sister Phoebe. And he says in Romans 1.16, I commend you unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant uh, of the church which is at Centria. And all of Paul's writings grew out of his, his desire to, to just minister to people. So he was a missionary, he was a pastor, and he addressed needs that were in the church, local churches. Uh, and so as he did so, the book of Romans is that same thing. He knew that there was a need in the church of Rome. Uh, somebody had carried the gospel. We'll get into that discussion in just a minute. But as the gospel was carried there, he desired for them to be established in their faith, not wavering left or right, but understanding what the gospel truly is. And so in this epistle, we see that he takes time to discuss the essence of sin and, and the salvation that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. He talks about the union of the believer with Christ and, and our relationship with him. He talks about in Romans 8 how the Spirit works in the Christian to promote holiness. And it's a tremendous work that God does. He talks about the place of Jewish people and God's plan, the future things, and even Christian living. The founding of the church in Rome, if we go back to Acts chapter 2, uh, really centers back here in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 10. In Acts chapter 2, we remember the day of Pentecost. Peter stood up and was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to preach. And there in the crowds that day on the day of Pentecost were people even from Rome. And the Bible says in verse 10, uh, Fergia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. And then we read later in that chapter that many of these people who were uh, visitors in uh, Jerusalem that day were 
converted and became Christians. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 41, it says, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so that day was a great day of revival. And many people were saved. And in my mind, there's no doubt that, that these that had heard the gospel, who were from Rome, then carried that truth all the way back to Rome and began to share with others. Let me share with you the truth of what I heard back in, in Jerusalem. Let me share with you what uh, Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that Peter had made it uh, a, uh, was the one that founded this church in Rome. But there is no scriptural evidence for this or historical evidence outside of tradition. And so Paul's purpose in writing then to the Romans is really identified in a few statements. I'll just kind of summarize those if I can. So first thing that he wanted to do was impart some spiritual strength to those believers in Rome. You know, and I believe it's important that God calls us to edify the body of Christ, to infuse in us in this time. I've often said that we live in a day of delusion. And because we live in a day uh, where sometimes we don't know what's right and what's wrong, it's so important that we understand what the Word of God says regarding our faith and how we should live our life. And so that was part of the reason that Paul wrote to Rome. Think about this. And those believers in Rome were living in a similar, similar situation as ours. It was a corrupt uh, nation. It was a nation where sin abounded. And he said, listen, in this moment, in, in, as you're going through these things, it's important that you are strengthened in what you believe day in and day out. And so he also uh, asked them to pray for him. Pray for him for the difficult task that he undertook as a missionary. He asked them to pray that he would one day be able to come and see them. He, as a matter of fact, he even wrote to them and wanted to enlist their help in starting a new mission out to the West and continue uh, to reach unbelievers. But the content of Romans shows that the churches also experienced tensions between believers from that were Jewish background and those who had Gentile background. And Paul wanted them to have uh, unity in the church. It is so vital that we see that that, that spirit of unity uh, comes from Christ. The spirit of division is something uh, that comes from, uh, from the Satan. And as he also lays out what is essential here to Christianity, and he talks about the importance of the things that we should hold to, uh, in this day and age. And so as we begin just to look in Romans chapter 1 today, as we read the, the Word of God, we're going to read four verses today as our text, but the introduction goes all the way down to uh, verse number 17. And it's in this introduction that Paul emphasizes the significance of the gospel. And the gospel truly is vital to us today. It's never been more important, I don't think, because it is the good news the good news about Jesus Christ. It's a, the good news about what He's done for us. It's the good news that, uh, that we realize that this whole world needs. Just not, not, not just a select few, but every single person. And if you ask a Bible student, uh, where is the gospel found in the Bible? Oftentimes they'll take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 5. And it is laid out well there. We'll read this together. Verse 3, it says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, how the, and that He was buried, and then He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and it was seen of Cephas and then of the twelve. But if you will in your mind, Romans then takes that little uh, outline that Paul shared in, in the church of Corinth, and he fills it in with everything else that that means to us and what the gospel uh, means to us in relation to Old Testament promises as well as uh, to us today. And so Romans really helps us to have a greater, fuller understanding of Jesus Christ 
and His sacrifice for us. And so Paul, he emphasized righteousness, he emphasized justification in this letter. Listen, we, we don't find this anywhere else in any other place in the Bible uh, and, but the book of Romans. And I, it is a treasure uh, for us to be able to take time to study this tremendous book of the Bible. I want to encourage you to be faithful as we go through this together. Because Paul, as he, we see him just pour himself into this, what we see is the inspiration of the God through the Holy Spirit carrying him along to give us something that was not just true for the church in Rome, but for the church here in Springfield as well. There's three passages in the Bible that we could say are, uh, that contain some of the most important theology that we believe today in the New Testament. John chapter 1 and verse number 14 is that of the Incarnation. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The secondly is the purpose and the glory of God uh, as revealed in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. But also the third one is that of the truth of justification, redemption, propitiation, words that you're like, I don't know what you're saying, Pastor, but we'll get to that. Romans chapter 3 deals with these in verses 21 through 26. And if you're in Romans, just flip over there. We'll get to our main text in just a moment. But Romans chapter 3 verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You know, if a Christian understands these basic sentences, he has a foundation for a solid faith. And so Paul in Romans begins to expound on those things. So example, in, in Romans 6 through 8, he gave the most comprehensive development of our union with Christ and the Spirit's work in us. Then in Romans 9 through, uh, chapters 9 through 11 has been called the key to really understanding the Bible because of all that it contains. And Romans 13 is that classic passage on a Christian's response in relation to the duties of the state. And Romans 14 and 15 uh, deals with how we relate with one another in the body of Christ and how we can have different opinions and yet still serve the same Lord. But let's look back at the beginning here in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 together, we see that just the introductory passages in the introduction that Paul just begins to open the ball as he introduces himself and what God has called for him to be in his life. In verse number 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that a great statement? Now just think about those, th those five words right there. Uh, his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is who we serve today. It says, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of from the dead. Let's stop and pray. 
Father, we thank you for just this brief introduction of this tremendous uh, epistle. We thank you for the Word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we ask you, Lord, that it would go forth and do that which you intend today. And that, Lord, we would see the significance of the gospel, not just personally, but for those that are lost. And that, Lord, every single person needs to know and hear and have a chance to receive this glorious gospel of Christ. And so, God, we thank you that we celebrate good news today. Lord, that even in the house of God, Lord, we still celebrate on Sunday. We worship here on this day because we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. And so, God, we thank you for all that you've done. Now, bless us, lead us, we pray by your Holy Spirit. In, His, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, as we come to Romans 1, 1 through 4, Paul announces his, really his theme uh, in these verses as the gospel. And the gospel is important as it allows it, uh, as it dominates all of his opening remarks in this epistle. Matter of fact, if you look at it, it affects uh, uh, how he flows in this introductory comments. Here, look in verse number 9 in your Bible in Romans 1, 9. It says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. He said, listen, the gospel has affected every part of my life. Verse 15, and so as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And so we see again, once again, the Apostle Paul says, listen, my burden, my call, everything about me is wrapped up in this truth that I should preach the gospel. Verse 16, the next one, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to, the, uh, to everyone that believeth. And so we see, once again, Paul uh, demonstrating his great uh, value that he places on the gospel and how it has affected his life and, and that it's changed his life. And so as we look at this in these first four verses, we're going to see the significance then of the gospel, not only in Paul's life, but in our life today. And there are some mandates that it placed upon Paul's life that it also puts on our life. Look at verse number one with me, if you will, and the mandates of the gospel. Verse one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, before we ever go any further, let's just remind ourselves of who Paul is. The Apostle Paul was a man uh, that uh, was transformed by the gospel. We've been studying his life on, uh, on Wednesday nights. And so uh, we go back in our mind to Acts chapter number 9. And in Acts chapter number 9, we see the transformation of, of Paul from uh, a persecutor of men to a man who becomes a preacher of the gospel. Listen, the gospel arrests men for God. It captures us. It doesn't just leave us the same. You know, there's, there's some places I enjoy eating at. I enjoy Mexican food. Can I get an amen? amen. But I've learned that there's, all Mexican food is not created equal. And so if you're from Missouri and Springfield in particular, you really probably enjoy Mexican Villa. How many, how many folks enjoy Mexican Villa? And you know, growing up in, in Texas, you know, Mexican Villa just wasn't my cup of tea. And I remember when we were in college, uh, my wife and I had saved up enough money where we could go uh, to eat. Uh, and, and we thought, man, we're gonna, we want some Mexican food. Man, we, we love Mexican food. And so we said, man, we're going to spend this money we've been saving and go out and find some Mexican food. Some friends, we asked them, I said, listen, what's a good Mexican restaurant in the area? And they said, oh, Brother John, you got to go to Mexican Villa. And we got to Mexican Villa. And I said, oh, man, we wasted our money. This was horrible. And I said, I will never take advice from that person again when it comes to eating food. Listen, sometimes there's some things that capture our attention in such a way that, that we never forget those things. But the gospel did more than capture Paul's attention. The gospel changed Paul's life. 
It, it so transformed him that he was no longer a man who was on a vendetta to destroy, but now he became a man who had a vendetta to seek and to save that which was lost. He took Luke chapter 19.10, which was Christ's purpose, and he personalized and he said, listen, my purpose as well is to proclaim the gospel. My purpose is to make sure that every person, he says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1, he says, brethren, my heart's desire for Israel is that uh, they might be saved. He said, that is my desire. And so as, as we, he opens this letter, what he's saying in verse number one, he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, he's calling himself a slave. Now, it's not improbable that he probably had the Hebrew version of a, or servant, uh, version of a servant or slave in mind. Now, if you go back in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 21 and verse number 5, oftentimes uh, as a, a servant uh, would, there were times where a servant would so love his master that he chose to be a lifetime, chose a lifetime of bondage to this master rather than having freedom. And so in Exodus chapter 21 and verse number 5, it says, And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. And the passage goes on and says, Then they will put him up next to a doorpost and drive it all through his ear and make a mark on him that he is a slave to someone else. What a picture of Paul here. It says, Listen, I love my Lord so much that I'm a slave. I'm a willing slave. I willingly lay down my life. It's not something that is indentured. It's not something that I have to do, but instead something I get to do. I lay down my life because I love my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, just as that Old Testament ear was pierced through as a token of surrender, Paul also in Galatians chapter 6 in verse number 17 says, From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He said, listen, if you want to know how much I love the Lord, just look. See the stripes on my back. See the scars that I bear. See these things in agony that I've carried along. A slave was oftentimes owned and bought for a price. He didn't receive any wages and he could not quit. A servant, I, a servant could quit. He some oftentimes got paid and was a free person. But this is the word that, that Paul used here is that idea of a slave. One that said, listen, I willingly surrender my life for you. This is the same spirit that Jesus Christ had. Look in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 7. The Bible was very clear about this. Because here in Philippians 2, 7, he says, but, he, but now talking of Jesus Christ, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Same phrase there. And Paul reminded Christians later as he was writing in the church of Corinth, he said in verse, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. In other words, you belong to somebody else. And therefore, as a result of that, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You belong to Him. Christian, let me encourage you today. We, like Paul, could stand here and say, listen, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not anything more than just a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just simply, Lord, whatever you want from me, God, if that's to scrub toilets, God, if that's to, uh, to repair roofs, if that's to go to a, a widow's home and help, put, uh, help her in, in any way I can, Lord, whatever you want, if it's to share the gospel, God, here's my life, Lord, use me, whatever you want. I, I, I must say, I'm a slave, I'm a servant. And I don't do it because I have to catch it. I do it because I get to. 
I love Sister Gaynell. She's a, she's a good, dear, sweet uh, saint in our church. And I'm so thankful for her. But she often t- reminds me, Pastor, she said, I get to do nursery today or I get to do junior church today. She said, I don't have to. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. Man, what a spirit. It's that spirit that Paul was trying to uh, demonstrate here. He says, listen, like that Hebrew servant, I've chosen just to be whatever God wants me to be. No one knew what it was to be able to say, I am free like the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a man, was living in a day when most men were slaves. We take our citizenship for granted oftentimes. I think about it as an as a, uh, American, you know, I don't think about my citizenship much, but, but when I go to another country, and when I was recently in the Philippines, I was reminded uh, that many people want what I just was given at birth. You know, to be able to have that privilege of being able to say, I'm from the United States of America, many people in this world will give all of their earthly goods just to have that privilege. Well, the Apostle Paul lived in a time where most men didn't have citizenship. And very few had the privilege of being, say, they were freeborn citizen of Rome. But his highest honor was not to say, Paul, the, uh, the, uh, the citizen of Rome. He said, Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, the bond slave. Paul, the one that was willing to, to say, Lord, whatever you want from my life. You see, this mandate of the gospel not only made Paul's... Uh, uh, made Paul a willing slave, but it also made him uh, a person who was willing to be used of God. He's often called uh, an apostle, and I believe he was one of the greatest apostles, even though he oftentimes said, I'm the least of the apostles. But this word apostle means one who is sent. It maybe carries with it today this idea of what we use as the word missionary today. We talk about a missionary. A missionary is someone who is sent out from a local church into another land or to uh, plant a church or to a different place. And so as a church body, we realize that God calls some of us out of this place and into another place to carry the gospel another place. That's the idea of a missionary. Well, Paul's calling was similar as that. As an apostle, he carried extra privileges. And we see that uh, his life was that uh, that was uh, used greatly of God. But his ultimate calling, his ultimate desire was just to be Christ's servant. You see, as Paul was later called as an apostle, he made full proof of his apostleship. He did everything he could to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with the life that God had given him. Romans 15, 19, he says, Through many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about, uh, about Alicrium have I fully preached the gospel of Christ. You see, the mandate of the gospel separated him as well. Instead of being his own man, if you will, he became a man who would really be effective in reaching others for Jesus Christ. Many times we remember if you, uh, 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 Cortez, as he, the Spanish explorer Cortez, as he came into uh, the country of Mexico and as he landed there on the shores of Mexico, he ordered his, uh, all his captains to burn the ships on the beach. And he made this statement, victory or death. There was no turning back. Paul had that same kind of idea. And so this word here that is used for separated, he says in verse number one, called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel. It carries with this, this idea 
and thought of the horizon. And so literally, Christ filled all of Paul's vision. There wasn't in room in his life for anything else. And so his vision, his horizon was dominated by Jesus Christ. And so everything in his life was determined by Christ. And so Paul then, uh, who was separated by God for his conversion, uh, what we see is that God called him, God used his life in a tremendous way. And so when we come to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 1, he says, listen, I'm a servant of Christ. I'm an apostle. This is my calling in my life. I've got a reason to carry the gospel into other lands. But listen, my life has been separated for a reason. My life has been changed because of the gospel. You see, the gospel is significant in our lives. In all of our lives. And when we receive the gospel message, it transforms us. I'm no longer the same that I was when, from 1988, when I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I am now a changed man. And God continues to work in my life. You see, that's what, as Paul, Paul just introduces this epistle, what he was saying is, listen, church, I have been changed. Remember, Paul had a, a testimony before he was saved. Do you remember what it was? He was what, a persecutor. He was a man who would, would take people uh, from other cities and drag them into the councils in Jerusalem. And there they would be sometimes executed. Sometimes they would be imprisoned. Men, women, children, he didn't care. If they called, claimed the name of Jesus, he would drag them in and he would make sure that they uh, stood account for, in his mind, what he perceived to be crimes. But now his testimony was different. No longer was he a man who was a persecutor, but now he was a preacher. Let me ask you, has the gospel changed your life? Has it made an impact into your life in some way? You see, because when we receive the mandate of the gospel, it doesn't leave us the same as when it found us. Look in verse number two. We're going to see the message of the gospel very quickly this morning as we bring it to a close. You see, because it was Paul's special calling that, uh, to take the things of Christ that were in the Old Testament and to explain them uh, in, here in this situation. And so in Romans, Ephesians, First and Second Thessalonians, we see Paul revealed uh, three mysteries. The mystery of the cross, the mystery of the church, the mystery of Christ's coming. And so these things are revealed here. But look in verse number two, and, uh, two through four. He said this, which he had promised to by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's dealing with that Old Testament theology there. And he's saying, listen, let me point you, take you back to the Old Testament because the Old Testament points us to Jesus Christ. This is not just a brand new religion. This is what God has introduced through at the cross. In verse number three, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. And so these mysteries that Paul begins to unfold here, the cross, the church, and His coming, are revealed as types and shadows in the Old Testament, but Christ revealed them plainly at the cross. And so Paul was able to take what they had seen, what they had heard, the eyewitness testimonies, and he took them throughout the book of Romans and he connected them to Jesus Christ. And he connected them to the Old Testament. Listen, the gospel is not a brand new thing. And he was, he was taking pains to be able to say, listen, if you go back in the Old Testament, you'll find Christ. If we as, as believers here in the 21st century, we can go back to Isaiah 53 and we can say unmistakably, we believe that that passage points to Jesus Christ. Psalms chapter 22, Psalms chapter 23, which was taught in, in our, our Sunday school this morning, Psalms chapter 24, over and over, we could spend time dealing with the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament. But Paul took his time and he said, listen, I want, to, I want you to understand what, what our foundation was in the Old Testament is revealed in Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 14. He said, 
of Jesus who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. This word in verse number 3 deals with concerning. It's, also, it's the Greek word that's just simply peri. This is the same word that's used in several of our English words. Periscope, perimeter, and it means that which encircles. And so the gospel then is encircled. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's what He has done. It's what He's doing and what He will do one day. And so as we see this, we see that Paul, as he begins to, uh, to preach and teach Jesus Christ, says, listen, this letter, this epistle is going to be all about Jesus. Let me remind you that Hillside Baptist Church, we are all about Jesus Christ here. We're not going to stray to any other person or religion. It's not about a pastor. It's about our Savior. It's not about anybody else in this church. And when we give that kind of humble attitude and say, listen, Lord, I want to exemplify you. Lord, we want the Lord Jesus Christ to be at the glory in all of these things. Then listen, it doesn't matter if people praise you or curse you. Because Christ is the center of all of it. And so he says, listen, this, the heart of this gospel message is Christ. Heaven came down. We mentioned John 1.14. And he says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we see that, that Jesus Christ, in, as we I just finished walking through John, he lived a life of victory over the power of sin. His life was perfectly holy. Imagine this. Think about Jesus, if you will. He never looked at another person with lust. He never entertained an impure thought. He was never accused uh, by his conscience. He never inflamed even a wrongful passion. He was never out of step, step with the will of God. His time was never wasted. His talents were never debased for selfish reasons. His influence was never bad. His judgment was never wrong. His, he never had to apologize for anything he did. He never had to retract a single word. He never had to delete a Facebook post. He was never too late. He was never too soon. He was never upset. He was never shallow. He was never afraid. He lived on earth almost uh, about 12,000 days, and every one of them was a marvel of holiness. Hebrews 7, 26, For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. He had absolute victory from the moment he first drew his breath until the, in Bethlehem all the way until the cross of Calvary when he closed his eyes in death. He was declared to be the Son of God with power. His death brought victory over the penalty of sin and he rose from the dead. Folks, let me just tell you, that's the Jesus that, uh, that Paul is preaching. That's the, the one that he is surrounding himself and concerning himself with. It is this very thing about Christ where he rose from the dead that changed Paul's life and it can change your life too. You see, there are a lot of religions in the world today and a lot of religions say, listen, if you are good enough, then you'll become God. If you're good enough, then you can become, maybe reach this place of nirvana or reach this place where all things are good. But there's only one religion that preaches that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, left the glories of heaven and dwelt among men. And that's what the Word of God teaches about Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ was a man, of, was God of all power. And it says in John 10, 18, no man... Talking about his life, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. He said, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my Father. And in his life, he was demonstrating great power and authority. We think about all that Christ is today, and I want to I just encourage you today. Christ is the center of the gospel. 
You can't have good news unless you have Christ. You can't have the hope without accepting Jesus as your, as your Savior. Someone once wrote to an old, uh, there was an old post called Emily Post. And, and they wanted to know a little bit of an etiquette. And so uh, this was an old, another generation which this would be printed in. And so they wrote and they said, What is the correct procedure when one is invited to the White House but has a previous engagement? She re replied back, An invitation to dine at the White House is a command. And it automatically cancels any other engagement. You see, the effect of Christ on our life is an invitation that is far greater than one from the White House. You see, it is God inviting you to believe. Secondly, to surrender, to put your faith in Him. You see, because all other things that seem so pressing in this moment have been canceled and God calls you right now to surrender to Him. You see, Paul opens this letter. He's shouting from the rooftops that Jesus Christ has conquered death. He lives. He lives. Jesus Christ lives. You can just almost hear His voice echo with, an, and with a reverberation of all the hills and the hollers in that area. And He's saying, listen, I know my Savior lives. He lives in me. You see, this truth transforms Paul and it can transform us. Christ not only saves us, but He also gives us a purpose and a reason for living today. And Paul would write about this transformational action in our lives throughout his gospel. And he says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, I beseech you therefore, as a result of all Christ has done, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Church, let me tell you, may we come this morning and say, God, I am just a servant. I am a willing bond slave. Lord, I willingly lay down my life for you because you're everything to me. God, without you, I am nothing. You see, may that be our call today. May that be our surrender today. May that be what we're willing to say, God, whatever you want from me, God, I am yours. But he also shouts this. Those who have never received him, now is the time. So he invites you to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't leave this place the same as when you came. Because when we come to the, the gospel of Jesus, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. It's a point of decision. We must decide, will we accept Jesus Christ or will we reject Him? The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ willingly laid down His life. No one else can do that for you. I can't do that for you. And no one else in this room could, only Jesus Christ, because He was the perfect, sinless Son of God. You see, and He did it willingly so that you might have eternal life. And this morning, He invites you to respond to that truth. You can put your faith in Him and know without any doubts that you're on your way to heaven. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, just simple, very, very simple, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You too can receive Jesus as your Savior. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. 
what would your answer be? 